You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and those words that you just heard are Psalms 1. And also, we want you to be aware of something, that we have a Schweitzer app. And on your electronic devices, we really encourage you, if you've not already done that, to subscribe to the Schweitzer app. And you'll find there the sermon notes for each week. You'll find there many other valuable links, but also something else we want you to be aware of that our praise and worship team is writing a fresh new version of each psalm each week in this 10-week series. And we hope that that is something that's made available in a CD, but it's it's fresh, I believe it's anointed. It's an opportunity for us once again to engage with the psalms. The church, before the arrival of a secular instrument by the name of the organ, where are you, Bradley? (laughs) Like 100 years ago, or more, 200 years ago, we sang the Psalms. The Psalms uh, is a song book and a prayer book. So in the Psalms' greatest hits, that's one of the things that we want you to be aware of. The Psalms are to be sung, and they are to be prayed. And they cover a wide range of the human condition. They're full of laments, of despair. They're full of ecstasy and all types of expressions in between the realities. So the Psalms give us a permission to be honest with God. And whatever you're feeling or whatever you're thinking at a particular time, you can find a Psalm that articulates what that is. The Psalms are to be spoken out loud. The Psalms are an opportunity to bring us into the presence of God and to bring God's presence more fully into our lives. The Psalms are written for private and public worship. One of the great blessings at Schweitzer is our Grow to Know Preschool, which has 160 students. And Jane Repke is doing a wonderful job in leading that ministry. And one of the many talented persons, very dedicated persons on staff, is a lady we simply call Miss Molly. 
And Miss Molly has arranged many verses of Scripture in which you can memorize that Scripture for private worship and, and public worship. And so when, when you have a grandson that was two years of age at the time, Oren, who comes to you and he sings one of your favorite verses of Scripture, and binds up their wounds. That does something to you. And if you've not gotten a hold of one of those CDs of our children, of the music that they're learning through the Psalms and through Scripture, you, you, gotta, you just got to get a hold of one of those. The Psalms are for all generations then, aren't they? They're for two-year-olds and they're for 92-year-olds. And I think as we get older, we grow in our appreciation for the Psalms. It's so important to memorize Scripture. It's something that we, we've really largely lost. Uh, we memorize other things, don't we? We memorize certain jingles and songs. We, we memorized from our childhood, and for, for my era was uh, Mr. Ed, or Gilligan's Island's intro. My twin brother and I would sing this silly jingle that some of you may remember. Well, we haven't got a barrel of money. We may be ragged and funny, but we're traveling along. Singing a song side by side. Now that was totally useless, right? It's a, it's a harmless jingle. But what are the jingles that we learn and we're teaching our children and our grandchildren that's going to stay with us? If I can remember that silly jingle and I can never forget it, how more important it is for me to memorize the Psalms. If I can learn a different language, and I, it's important to learn a different language, it's important for me to learn and memorize Scripture because they minister to us. And so thank God I had a grandmother that in her era, that's what they did. And so she encouraged me, and I memorized certain scriptures and certain psalms as a child. It's a lot harder when you're older, isn't it? <laughs> but one of the psalms that I memorized, and we're going to put the words up there, and you're going to have to keep me honest, because where I'm in air and I don't get it just right, you're going to have to check me on it. But here's Psalm 1 from memory, as best as I recount it from the old King James Version that I learned at my grandmother's knee. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law he doth meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His fruit, he shall bear fruit in its season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, 
but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Thank you, but that's the idea. The idea is that we know Scripture and, and it speaks into our hearts and it changes our lives. Now, did you notice the profound message of Psalm 1? The great contrast. There's a great contrast between a godly, ungodly life and a life of happiness and holiness. The ungodly life is a life where there's scorning and, and there's mocking. Sitting in the scorner's seat. Being cynical. Uh, Woody Allen said, I believe in God. The problem is God is an underachiever. That, that's scorning. That's, that's the mockery that's occurring in our culture toward God. Uh, the ungodly life is like the chaff. Separated from the wheat, it blows away. The ungodly person is the person that can be summed up in the misfit character in a good man is hard to find by O'Connor, where he says, I don't, I don't need no help. I'm doing all right by myself. It's that attitude, it's that spirit. And you know, you and I, we can come here I'm preaching to myself here. We can come here on Sunday morning and we can be a practical atheist the rest of the week. I know how to rely on myself and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but do I know how to rely on God? The ungodly person is living as someone that doesn't think God is up to snuff, as we used to say in the country. When it comes to practical everyday real life, God is an underachiever. But the great contrast is that the ungodly perish. And a person that's really righteous before God doesn't brag about that or doesn't want that and doesn't scold the wicked, but prays for them. An ungodly person is someone that's a fool. You may be a young fool, or you can may be an old fool, but you're still a fool. Now, the contrast is this holy and happy life where, where we delight. Did you notice the words delighting or blessed or happy? I, I see it as laughter. I see it as a belly laughing out loud kind of life. A happy and holy person worships God. A happy and holy person isn't like the chaff that the wind blows away, but it's like a tree. A tree that's planted by streams, by resources of water. A tree that bears fruit, that doesn't wither. In old age, I don't want to wither. 
I want to be sappy. How about you? And a godly person, a holy and happy life is a person that has learned to meditate on the Word of God. And that Word shapes us and transforms us and leads us and changes us. I want to be a holy fool. Have you noticed that as we get older, and if you live long enough, you're going to get older. Uh, have you noticed that getting older doesn't necessarily mean that we grow up? We basically become two different kinds of fools. We can be an old fool, or we can be a holy fool. And an old fool is scornful and mocks and becomes cynical. And I really do not know how you do not become cynical in this world as you age unless you're devoting your mind and spirit to God. I mean, I have a real temptation to get cynical about lots of things. But when I am worshiping God, when I am meditating on the Word, that's a different story. So I want to become a holy fool. A holy old fool, if you will, but I want to be a holy fool. Now, one of the things that helps us with this is, is a childlike trust, and you, you get around children, and so it helps to be a grandparent. And so uh, in the case of our grandson, Oren, he comes over. He's a bargainer. And uh, after supper, we ask him, do you want a cookie? And he says, I want three cookies. So he gets two cookies. And when no one else is around one night, I asked Orrin, how many cookies do you want? He says, I want one cookie. I said, do you want three cookies? He says, no, I want two cookies. I said, well, just go ahead and have five. You should have seen his eyes light up. I've never told anybody about that, so. <laughs> but I think sometimes we're just afraid to be a, a holy fool. And one of the things that uh, I want you to be aware of that's really transformed my life the last couple of years is that I've just completed a two-year certified spiritual director. I think my, I'm going out, in and out here. So, With a CETA pro process. Is this on? So... Uh, in the CETA process, I've been blessed to uh, be certified as a spiritual director. And as you can imagine, we've done different things. We've written a lot of papers. We've read a lot of work. We've got a lot of supervision. But what I did not expect was a joy of knowing 11 other people that made this journey with me. So when we graduated a couple weeks ago, we went out and we had this photo taken. Of, of the 12 of us, and it's the last time that we're ever going to be together in this life. And one thing we wanted to do was do something that expressed the joy of the Lord. We're invited in this psalm to a life of blessedness, of delight, of holiness, of happiness. Isn't that what you want for your life?
And in the midst of this, uh, Adele Calhoun was one of our faculty uh, members, and she's a great spiritual leader and writer and author, and she uh, paints icons and just a talented woman. And she talks about, and she's a little older than I am. I don't know how much older, but she's, she's got me by a few years. And she was telling about this time where she uh, had some friends give her a gift. And they said, Adele, we know you, you take care of your spirituality, you take care of your mind, but your body may need some work. And so we want to give you a ticket uh, uh, to a hot yoga class. And so she talked about going through the hot yoga class. And she said she was going through all these different gyrations. And she was so relieved when the instructor said, now, just, just be still. She's going like, like this. Do you know that Pastor Jim one time mistakenly ventured into a hot yoga class? Wouldn't you like to have seen that? That would have been good. But Adele Calhoun says, that the instructor in yoga, and I'm not putting down yoga here, said that in seven minutes you can have an experience if you just lie still there. You can just have an experience. Seven minutes is God. But Christian meditation is different. Christian meditation is centered on the Word. And I want to walk us through this morning just some basics, who, what, where, when, how, and why, we do Christian meditation on the Word of God. And you can take notes on this uh, because what I'm going to share with you is really good stuff. <laughs> so who? Christian meditation is between you and God. You're meeting the eternal one. You're placing yourself and you believe that you're in the presence of God. It's, it's a real person. It's a real relationship. And in seven minutes, everything may not just go crazy for you, but it, it's going to be a good thing, something you're going to build on. Now, what's the, what's the what of Christian meditation? And Adele Calhoun says there's kind of four things, and it's the, it's the alliteration stop. So just think of the word stop. And the S is C. So as I'm meditating before God, and I'm quiet before God, Lord, what do you want me to see this morning? What do you want to show me today from your word? What's the word of scripture you want me to see? Or what's the word you want me to take with me? Yesterday, I, I had the word come to me from the scripture, from Psalm 119, that the sum of your words, God, is truth. And I took that with me all through the day. That was my word for the day. But Lord, so what do you want me to see? Maybe there's something you want me to see throughout my day. And what's, what triggers me? What is triggering my gut? Why am, I, am I overreacting the way I am? Why am I fretting the way I am? What's triggering me? What's triggering me when someone pushes my buttons and I overrespond? What, what do you want me to look at? What's the negative as well as the joyful stuff going on in my spirit? And then as I understand that, I open myself to God. I want to open myself to the Spirit. And I'm inviting God into everything that's triggering. I don't have to open myself up to, just, to God just for the good stuff. I open myself up to God to whatever is going on with me. I don't have to hide from it. I don't have to run from it. I don't even have to deal with it. I let God come in. 
And then I, in the presence. I want to spend as much time in the presence of God as I can. I'm placing myself in God's presence. When Oren is eating his Andy's ice cream, he scoops it in his mouth too much. And I, even, even I, the old fool, will say, Oren, you need to slow down. You need to savor it. You see, we're in too big of a rush. We want to sit in the presence of God. We want to be in the presence of God, and we want to stay there long enough as long as the presence of God wants us to stay. And the more that we do this, the more that we are, are religiously doing this, then it's going to be more of a living, real experience to be in the presence. So when? When do I do this? Well, you decide, but I've got to have a place and a time. I know when I'm going to go to bed at night. I know when I'm going to get up in the morning. I know when I'm going to eat my meals. When am I going to do my time with God in an intentional way? If I do not have a when, it's not going to happen on any intentional regular basis. And then where? Where does it happen? I want to show you some pictures. I want to ask you to ask, ask, uh, I want you to answer the question. As you look at this picture, uh, what do I do when I sit in this seat? Drive. Good. What do I do when I sit in this chair? <laughs> Sleep. Relax. Recline. You got it. What do I do when I sit in this chair? Eat. What do I do when I sit in this chair? You betcha I work. Bet you know I work. Yeah. So what do I do when I sit in this chair? That's my prayer chair. Here's the idea. I don't have to convince my mind when I'm sitting at the table I'm going to eat. I don't have to convince my mind when I'm sitting at, at the desk I'm going to work. When I'm sitting at this particular place, this is what it is a place for me, I don't have to convince my mind I'm there for any other reason. I do not sit in this chair for any other thing or any other purpose than to pray. Do you have such a place where you go? And you can change it up. It doesn't mean it has to be a chair. You might be running. You might be walking. But you've got a place. Where? Where's your place? And you can change it up. But the idea is if you don't have a where, then it just isn't going to work. Now, one final thing is, is how. Well, it's the next final thing. How? How does this happen? Well, um, the psalmist, he says, I meditate on the word day and night. Does that mean we go around going, um, um, like we're in a monk? Do you know the monks work? Do you know the monks meditate just as much when they're washing dishes as when they're reading the word? It means that as I go about my daily life, I'm taking that word with me, and like a cow chews her cud. I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking about it. I'm bringing it to mind. Yesterday, several times when I was tempted to be cynical or I, I'm exposed to the truth uh, that the culture says is truth, I've got that word that's come back to me in my mind. The sum of your words is truth, God. And, and so that's the Why? Why do I do this? Because I'm living in a culture and I'm living in a time where it's pushing me away and pulling me away from God. 
And if I do not meditate on the word of God, if I do not meet with God every day, I'm going to be like the, the chaff that the wind blows away. But when I meditate into the resources of God like a tree planted by streams of water, I have all and more than I need. I love this church. I love the holistic approach of this church. I love that on this 10-acre campus, there's places to park. There's places to eat and talk with each other. There's places of worship. There's places of learning. There's places of work. You can do gardening. There's even a place where someone can live. Three people live in a coach house, otherwise may not have a place to live. There's places to do everything. And there are places to pray. A prayer room right over there behind us. A prayer room in the outreach center. And now we have a garden and a chapel for this community that we're dedicating today at 1212. I, I want to invite you back just for that brief service to hear the stories of Sharon Lazier, who had the dream that this would happen, of Richard Simpson, who did the yeoman's work of restoring a dilapidated old building into a beautiful chapel. I want to invite you also to think about the witness of this, not just for the church, but for the community, as it's open to everyone. And one of the things that stands there is a tree, this old oak tree, this tree that has stood there for what? Over 100 years, I suspect. Oh, the stories that that tree could tell. The stories of how it used to look over a pasture land or a farm. And then a fledging young congregation emerged around it and became Schweitzer. And you and I can be like that old oak tree. An oak tree doesn't grow the fastest or necessarily the tallest, but it grows sturdy and strong and bears the witness of time. We can be an oak of righteousness. We can be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bears fruit in its season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatsoever we doeth shall prosper. Will you stand with me? And this time say Psalm 1 with me. The word of God, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. 
Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 